Okay, we're going to have a little fun this morning. We're going to start by playing a little bit of a game called Have You Ever? Okay, and, and here's the deal. I'll put out a scenario. Like, have you ever, it's like, have you ever gone skydiving? Have you ever eaten pistachio ice cream? So we're going to do different ones than that. But I'm going to do, have you ever, and, and you might want to, like, you can nod or, like, shake your head. I wouldn't sh raise your hand for some of these. You'll see why in a second. Um, but, but some, you know, audience feedback would be good for me. So, so here we go. Have you ever had a friendship with somebody that no matter how long you've been apart, when you come back together, you just kind of pick up right where you left off and, and things are just hunky-dory. Like you just, it's like, man, it's, we never stop. It's a great friendship. You ever had a friendship like that? Oh, no, you don't have to. No, I wouldn't raise your hand. Yep, yeah, don't raise your hand. Because here we go. Have you ever, here's another one. Have you ever had a boss or maybe like a coach that unbeknownst to them, like, they created a negative energy when they just came in the room. You know, like, like when they came in, things got stressful, people got anxious, there was just kind of this bad juju when they were there, and it was like uncanny, because it wasn't there before they got there, but as soon as they get in the room, all of a sudden it's like, eee. you know, like, like, and they didn't even know it was happening. And they, they, it, was, it wasn't like they were doing it on purpose, but when they walked in, there's, you know, things changed. You ever had, like, in your, you know, like, you think about you having your one-on-one -on -one and you get anxious and nervous, that kind of stuff. You ever had a boss like that? On the flip side, have you ever had, a, have you ever had a boss that, would, like, was just great to be around? You love being around them. They got a lot out of you. They, 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 somehow they got, like, 110% out of you because you just wanted to please them. They were good to work for. You know, here's, let's shift gears a little bit. Have you ever been to a restaurant and you saw that couple? You know the couple I'm talking about? The couple, so you, see, you know the couple I'm talking about. A couple that's like just stone, just stoic, and they're out to eat, and they're, they're not, but they're not talking to one another. And you've got a couple hypotheses of what, you know, maybe, maybe they just had a big fight right before they came, and it's like, Things are just kind of cold. Or worse yet, maybe they didn't have a fight. Maybe this is like, this is normal for their marriage. Like, this is what their marriage has become over the years. They go out to eat and they don't talk anymore. Have you ever seen that? Ever wondered about that? Here's one for, for us married men, okay? Have you ever gone home, gotten home from work or something, maybe you're like a little bit late and you're, walking up to, you know, and you notice that the trash had been taken out, and you were supposed to take out the trash, but you just whatever, you know, didn't, but the trash got put out, and you come inside, and the house is, like, really clean, and you're like, hi, honey, I'm home, and she's like, hi, and she doesn't even look up as she's, like, washing the dishes, you know, and you're like, oh, honey, what, you know, like, like, what's wrong, she's like, nothing, <laughs> and you know, at that instance, that Something is not nothing. Something is wrong, and this might be an interesting night. No one else? Just me on that one? Okay, cool. Awesome. Here's another one. Have you ever, have you ever wanted to be around someone a lot? Like there's just that certain girl or that certain guy, and it's just like you just, when you're around them, you feel all warm inside, and your tongue swells up, and you're like, hi. You know, and like, you just, like you're trying to be around them as much as possible without like 
crossing the stocking line, and it's ambiguous as where that is, but like you just like, because you just love to be around them. Have you ever had that? See, what, what I want us to see, what I'm trying to help us to see here with all these examples, is that every relationship has a climate. Every relationship, every friendship, every roommate, every boss, every spouse, every coworker, your kids, your neighbors, your teachers, you know, wh whatever it is, every person you look eyeball to eyeball with on a regular basis and have some sort of connection or relationship with has a climate to it. Not just, you know, the scenarios I listed above, but every single relationship that we have has a climate. There's people that you love to be around, right? It's just natural. It just kind of works. And then there's some people that are just the atmosphere, the climate around them. It's just, it's hard to get right. And you wish that there's a change. You could make a change in the forecast because things are kind of, you know, like it, they're kind of stormy. They're kind of dicey. When you're with them, you want to bring a coat because it's about to get cold. <laughs> when they walk in the room. You know what I'm talking about? See, all relationships have a climate. Some of them are good, some of them are bad. And I think it's good to recognize how these climates uh, come about, because they don't happen overnight. Climates are determined over time, right? They're determined by, you could, you could say that they're determined by like the dominant mood in the relationship, for instance. Like, if the dominant mood in a relationship is one of trust or acceptance or honesty and support, you know, hey, I got your back, like, and that's just the consistent, that's the dominant mood. Like, in, in weather terms, that's like the prevailing winds, you know, like they're just always kind of more positive. What you're going to see is the climate is going to start to feel, it's going to be warm, right? It's going to be inviting, it might be intimate, it might be it's filled with hope. But on the flip side, if the dominant mood between you and, and another person, a roommate, a, a friend, a coworker, a spouse, a boss, a teacher, your neighbors, the HOA, whatever, if, if you're, the dominant mood in that relationship is marked with distrust, negativity, judgment, shame, Guardedness, you know, like, like un, 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 unhealthy competition, the result, the climate will be one of maybe anger or fear or anxiety, guardedness. And see, in a lot of ways, like when this happens, when the dominant mood is like that for a while, it's like a low pressure system, to use weather terms. You know, like how, like, you know how like a couple weeks ago, like this low pressure system came out of like hell? <laughs> And just made it zero. Like, it's like when, when a low-pressure system settles in, the extended forecast for that relationship can become bleak, can't it? When it's been like months or years, and it's just like it just can't change. And it can become looming, can become cold and stormy, an icy forecast ahead. And some of us have experienced this. We've experienced relationships where we wish for a change in forecast. And some of us are experiencing them right now. You, you're thinking of somebody right now as I'm talking about this. Like, yeah, the forecast is not good for us. The climate between us 
Maybe once, maybe once was great, but now I don't know what happened. It's just not, and I'm wishing for a change in the forecast. And if that's you here today, I'm so glad you came to church. So glad you came to church because what's cool is unlike, there's good news, unlike the weather in Colorado, which you have zero control over, <laughs> you and I, like, it's just, you know, like, hashtag four snowstorms in October. What the heck? Ha you know, like, we have no control over that. But unlike the weather in Colorado, the climate and the atmosphere and the relationships around us, we actually do have some control over that. We actually can affect and change the climate between us and the people around us. And not only is there that good news, there's, there's more good news. So not only is it possible, but you, your heavenly Father longs to join you in making that happen. Your heavenly Father, who we're going to find out today, is a relational God. Longs for us and, and, and coaches us. When we open up the scriptures, you start to see that in the Bible, God has a lot to say about relationships and how to shift them, how to change them, how to become a person of character, how to make a relationship strong. Because God knows this, and this is it's, it's super important. He knows that this, our single greatest assets in life are our relationships. God knows that our, the single most important asset in life is not our job, is not our finances, is not our portfolio, is not education, is not good, good uh, trips and vacations, it's not self-actualization, it's not any of these things. In fact, self-actualization can't happen. God knows that that can't happen without the most important asset in our lives, and that's each other. It's our relationship with one another. And so, yeah, when we open up scriptures, lo and Lo and behold, God has a lot to say about it. You know why? Everybody look at here. Everybody look. Because he cares about you. He loves you. And like a, a good father would look after his children and say, I want good things for you in life. We find in scriptures God coaxing us and moving us towards good relationships. We find a way to change the forecast. And we find this in the very beginning. From the very beginning in Scripture, we find this. It's starting in, in chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The very first line of Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created everything from Andromeda to the zebra. He created everything from black holes to Jackson Hole. Everything from, from gamma rays to blue jays. We find him creating in chapter 1 all of these incredible things. God created the heavens and the earth, and it was good. That was chapter 1. In chapter 2, he creates humans. He creates man and woman, and he, he creates them differently than anything else that he had created to that point. He creates them in his what? His image. 
He creates them in his image, and it's, it's interesting. We talked about this a couple months ago, how you read in Genesis, and this threw me off as a kid. It's like God, God said, let us make man in our image. And it's like, who's he talking to? Because <laughs> I grew up, you know, God is one. And we see maybe like the inkling of a Trinitarian God, a God in, in three persons, one God in three persons. Let us make man in our image. And part of the image of God means to be in relationship with other people, other people around them. We see him uh, uh, create him in his image, and we see God create, like establish a climate between him and this new creation, him and his children. We see him uh, establish a climate of generosity as he's like, all of this is for you. Can you imagine, like, have you ever thought about being at creation and watch? I want to, like, I'm hoping there's reruns like Nick at Night in heaven when we get there. And it's like all of the stuff, like, that, that you missed. So, like, I want to watch the reruns of creation. You know, I want to see how he did certain things, how he formed the earth and these galaxies. I want to, there's so many questions that I have. But can you imagine being there and God creates this climate of generosity by just putting Adam and Eve in the, this garden? It's like, it's all yours. And all those animals, why don't you name them? He creates this, this climate of trust as he, he entrusts things to them. Work the garden. Name the animals. Interact with creation. You're made in my image, so I want you to create like I've created. Go and subdue the earth and do that. He creates this climate between Adam and Eve, not only of generosity and not only of trust, but of connection as we learned that, that they would walk together in the cool of the day, like there was this daily rhythm within this relationship between God and his children. <laughs> That's sweet. I remember, I, I didn't ask permission to share this, but one, I remember this, this sweet rhythm in our, our household growing up that when my dad came home, like my sister did this weird thing, I, I don't wanna talk about that, but like, like then, like my dad would just be like, all right, clear the way, everybody out of the way to the queen of everything. And he'd, he'd just go grab my mom and they'd just hug and like, kind of like slow, like it was like a cross between a hug and a slow dance in the kitchen for a couple minutes. And we'd all be pastoring them and they're like, no, go away. It's this, this rhythm of relationship that, that, that God came down in the cool of the day and Adam and Eve, they just, this is what they did. They just walked talked. He created a climate between them. That was chapter two, and chapter two was very good. But in chapter three, the climate changes, doesn't it? If you're familiar with the story, you know what's going to happen next. A storm would enter paradise, and Adam and Eve would let sin into the garden, into the world. They would disobey what God had said not to do. There was just one rule, one law, like don't eat of this fruit. And I remember when I was a kid growing up listening to that story that I heard it over and over again in church and in Sunday school about the creation and then they ate the fruit and Adam gave some to Eve and that kind of stuff. I remember thinking like, what's the big deal? Like, is eating fruit really all that bad? Like, why did God freak out? And, he, and here's the reason why is, is this is, and this is, if you've ever wondered that, this is a good thing to think about. 
the reason why this was such a big deal is because it would prove that eating fruit wasn't the end. Wasn't sin's last say, right? By eating the fruit, they, they allowed sin to become the dominant mood in the relationship between them and God, and it would continue on. We say, you see them immediately. They, they hide, right? They hide from God. And when God finally finds them and you know, kind of says, what happened? They, what do they start to do? They start to bicker, and they start to blame each other. And they start to bend the truth. Well, he said this, she did this. And as we see here in the minute, like it just that 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 trend. It's like sin. See, this, here's the problem with sin: is it's never just one sin. <laughs> here's the problem with lying. You, you ever been lied before, and then you have to lie to cover up the lie, and to cover up the lie to cover. You know, it just keeps going, and that's what sin does in our lives. It becomes a dominant mood if we're not careful. And that became the dominant mood in the relationship between Adam and Eve, and God knew that. He saw that. And so he kicks them out of the garden. And we'll find the chapters. We're going to we'll focus on the, the, the next chapter here this morning. But in the chapters that come, we see that the world is being almost ripped apart and continues today. The strife, the envy, the greed, the jealousy is, is alive and well today as sin is the dominant mood. And that brings us to chapter 4. And that's where our story is today. In chapter 4, we find two brothers. We find Cain and Abel, and we, we quickly see that the dominant mood between them is not good. If you're familiar with the story, there's no backstory except for just dives right in. It says this in Genesis 4. It says, now Abel kept flocks. I mean, he was like a shepherd. He kept animals. And Cain worked the soil. He was more of a farmer, an agrarian. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to God. So we see here in chapter 4, despite sin in the world, there's still a, a way for people to connect with God. There's still a, 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 a desire for people to connect with him, and God has is, is made a way to connect with them. He still desires that, right? So, so they bring this offering to God, like a gift or you know, like, like, a, uh, yeah, like, like an offering to God. And, and um, Cain brings some fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also, this is verse 4, Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel's offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. Why? We really don't know. Honestly, like, there's guesses. Commentators kind of guess at maybe. But, but honestly, we don't know why God favored one over the other. But here's, here's what's true. Here's what I know is true. While we see, um, oh, I lost my spot. It's not a good sermon unless I lose my spot at least once. Um, what, um, what it must be noted that while God looked at Abel's, Abel's offering with favor, it didn't make Abel his favorite. Does that make sense? Like, it wasn't like, oh, I, you know, Abel's my favorite, so I like his offering. No, 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 no. We'll see, we'll see God's care and compassion for Cain here in the next verse. The disparity between Cain and Abel, like, like the reason why God favored one over the other, probably had little to do with what was given, 
It was probably how it was given. Does that make sense? It had little to do with like meat versus fruit. It, may, it probably had to do with the difference between pride and humility or something like that. The way in which Cain brought his gift was different than the way that Abel bought his gift. And so the Lord looked with favor on Abel's gift. Cain becomes aware of this and his reaction is not pleasant. Look at verse, this next verse 5, the second half of 5. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. And see, we get a glimpse into Cain's emotional climate here, right? What it was like to be Cain at that moment. He's angry. He's jealous. He's mad. You might say he's brooding. That's what I think of, like, his face was downcast. He's just kind of, mmm, doesn't like what's going on. And this is so, this is so cool. I, I love this next verse because what we see in this next verse is God reaching out to Cain. Cain, 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 who's the bad guy in this story, if you, especially if you know what's about to happen, you know he's, God still cares about Cain. And what we're going to see here is he's about to do kind of a weather check with Cain. Check it out. Then the Lord said to Cain, hey, 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 why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? I will accept you. I want to accept you, Cain. But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. Isn't that great imagery? He's like, I, I see you're going down this path, and you're about to open this door, and, 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 and sin's this, like this lion that's about to pounce on you. He's crouching at your door. It desires to have you, sin does. But you must rule over it. You must master it, Cain. Come on. See, we, we see God's grace in this. And God, see, God recognizes that the dominant mood between these brothers is not good. He recognizes that there's a climate in Cain's heart and in his mind that's stormy, that's filled with hatred and anger, and it's not good. And he gives us warning. He's like, Cain, you don't do something about that. That emotional negativity will manifest itself in ways that you won't like. Sin is crouching at your door. Your, your emotional climate, the, the, the for, like, Cain, be careful because the forecast is dark because of what's going on in your mind, in your heart. Don't let it stay there. Do something about it, please, Cain. And see, I love this because in this, you see this, he's like, why are you angry? Why are you, why are you downcast? If you do what's right, uh, if, if you do what's right, won't you be accepted? And, and what's, what's great, I love this phrase because what God does here is it's the same thing he does with us. He comes to us and he cares for us, but he doesn't coddle us. You catch that with Cain? You see the care. Hey, I want you to do what's right. I want to accept you. But Cain, you got to do what's right. It's up to you. It's something I can't do for you. God cares for us, but he doesn't coddle us, right? 
That's why like, God cares for us, but he's also, he cares for us enough to let us know when sin is destroying our lives. He loves us too much to just, well, if I say something, if I bring that up, it, you know, they might feel bad about themselves. He's like, I'm okay with letting them feel bad about themselves for a time. If it means that they'll come face to face with the climate that they're living in, that they're harboring in their hearts, that will take them to a place I don't want them to go. So he shoots straight with us, doesn't he? That's why it's difficult to go to church sometimes. It's why we resist you and I opening the word. It's why there's certain people that when they call, like when we're not doing great and they call, we like don't really want to pick up because they're that voice of reason and wisdom. We're not quite ready to hear it yet. This is what's going on in Cain's brain right now. He's wrestling with this climate. He's not willing to yield quite yet. And God's pleading with him, a change. Don't let it get the best of you. And, and I love this phrase here. But you must rule over it. You must master it. I also like, could you almost picture God saying, you can rule over it. You can master it. Cain, you have what it takes to beat this. You have what it takes. He's, he's encouraging him, but he's not coddling him. Sometimes this happens to us, doesn't it? Maybe, maybe you've had, I, I, I can remember one time this conversation with Chrissy, and I can't even remember specifically who it was about, but I remember I came home from work one day, and I was fired up. And I just, I just started ranting and ranting. I'm like, ah, I was just like, just so angry at this person. And I remember I said something. I don't, again, I don't remember what I said, but I said something that must have, in Christy's mind, crossed the line. And she's like, ooh, Josh, be careful. Be, be careful with that. <laughs> be careful with, with what you're, you're thinking about. Josh, in other words, she was like saying, ooh, Josh, sin's crouching at your door. <laughs> like, I see in you this, a climate <laughs> There's, there's a dominant mood between you and this person, like I've seen it happening, but, and, and it, I see this climate between you two, and if you don't change it, the forecast doesn't look good. I remember thinking about that, because I respect Christine, I respect her, her, her thoughts, but she just, in her very kind way, like, ooh, Josh, be careful with that one. Maybe you've had moments like that. Maybe you've had something happen where all of a sudden it's like there was a fight, that you had that was like, oh my gosh, that was a bad fight. And you start to realize, man, there's a dominant mood in our relationship. Maybe somebody comes to you, a friend, they kind of tap you on the shoulder and be like, um, can I talk to you about something? Like, I, I see something. And they bring it up and you're like, and you're wrestling with, do you take their... See, see, here's the thing. All of us, in those moments, I had the, the same thing in that moment with Christy. Like, I was fired up. Like, like, we have a choice in that moment. It's like a crossroads. We have a choice we can blame. You know, we can blame the other person. We can make excuses, you know, or we can listen to the voice of reason, to the person outside of the situation who loves us, who wants the best for us. We can listen, and we can act. 
or we can blame and we can, you know, make excuses. That's you and I, like you and I come across that scenario a lot, don't we? And depending on how we react, that changes the forecast, doesn't it, for our relationship. Let's see how Cain reacts. Genesis 4, verse 8. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out into the field. And while they were there in the field, Cain attacked his brother and killed him. The first death recorded in the Bible is a murder. A murder between brothers. And see, it's just so sad. It's, it's, it, it, this is the result of unchecked negative emotions. Of anger, of aggression. See, the, and see, what I want us to see with the story of Cain is the climate inside of our hearts and heads doesn't just stay there, does it? It spills over. In time, like, it, it'll find a way out. And when it does, it stings. It hurts. It kills. Then the Lord said to Cain, this is verse 9, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he said. He replied, Am I my brother's keeper? These are the words of a broken and calloused soul. Are they not? And see, what I want us to see is how destructive, unchecked, negative emotions can be. We might not ever kill someone, but our unchecked, negative emotions will kill something. They will. You know this to be true. You know that if we go... Long time with a certain climate, something will get hurt. And see, I propose that there's a better way. There's a better way. There's a way to get ahead of this, especially when it comes to our key relationships. There's a way to get ahead of this, a way for spouses and families and coworkers to open the lines of communication so that it doesn't get to that point. So that we aren't sitting and steeping and brooding down with our face downcast in negativity. And, and, all, and then all of a sudden we just snap and hurt the people around us. There's a way. There's a better way. There's a way to change the climate in our relationships. And it begins by ask, asking a question like this. And this is going to be our question for this whole series. What's it like to be? on the other side of me. What's it like to be on the other side of me? In fact, let's just, let's just read that together. Ready? What's it like to be on the other side of me? See, this is kind of a weather check kind of question. And I would propose to you that if you were willing in your relationships 
moving forward, and maybe, maybe you, you have a question that's like this. Maybe you've asked a question similar to this before. But if you continue to do that, that this question has a way to drastically alter the dominant mood in almost any relationship. And when we change the dominant mood, it changes the climate, right? And once we change the climate, the forecast gets better. And so my challenge for you today is really simple. I would challenge you to ask this question of two people, one family member and one person outside of your family. This week, I would challenge you to, to take the opportunity and ask somebody, hey, you know, we spend a lot of time together. Like our cubicles are next to each other, or, you know, like we're just, we're in four classes together, or whatever the case may be. Like, hey, we spend a lot of time together. What's it like to be on the other side of me? And if you're married, I would just highly, highly suggest that you start there. Well, okay, maybe start there. Um, definitely go there. If, 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 I'll add an addendum to the challenge. Like, if you're married, I'd say that your family member should be your spouse, if at all possible. Hey, honey. Um, I know this is going to be lame because, like Josh just said it, but uh, here we go. Um, what's it like to be on the other side of me? And see, what you do in that moment, it, it, and there's a lot of reasons why asking that question might be hard, but what you do in that moment by asking a question like that is it's, it's kind of like handing somebody a gift. Hey, hey, what's it like to be on the other side of me? It's kind of like you're just giving them a present. It's like you're giving them a present of being heard, of being understood. You're giving them the present of a voice. And what's so cool about that is when you do that, it frees them up to be honest and to, to, to be transparent and to be real and it makes it so that they don't have to chase you down at some point in time. Or, or here's another one. It makes it so that when things do get heated and you do come home late and you didn't take out the trash and, and, and it's not like all of this stuff comes up because it, they, they can't hold it in anymore because the climate is just this, it's a storm inside of them. You know what it does? Asking this question when there isn't a storm a-brewing means that you might actually have a real conversation. Wow. means that you, you actually might get somewhere with them, and, and, it, and it's this calm. You're giving them a gift. And they don't have to, which means that later on in life, they don't have to bring it up. They don't have to say, honey, you know what it's like to be on the other side of you sometime? Because you asked for it. It's a gift that we can give to each other. So what's it like to be on the other side of me? And see, when you do this, you'll hear some positive. You'll hear some negative. You'll hear some good, some bad, some ugly. You'll hear, and you'll hear some things that probably surprise you. As the people who love you start to share what it's like to be around you, sometimes what 
you're tired or work stressful or the kids are this, you know? And all of a sudden you're like, I, I didn't know that. Hey, I didn't know that when I come home, I change the mood. Like the kids are happy and then all of a sudden they're guarded. I didn't know that. I didn't know that I barrel over people as their boss. I didn't know that people were intimidated by me. I didn't know that, that when I get focused, she, she feels like she's not even in the room. She doesn't feel noticed at all. I didn't know that when I come in the room, there's a change in forecast. I didn't know that. And listen, wouldn't it be good to know? Now, I'm not saying it would be fun to hear. That's different, right? right? It's not going to be fun to hear, but wouldn't it be good to know how you affect the people you love the most? And listen, 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 listen. What might change? As a result, like, like if you're thinking about your key relationships and you're like, man, the forecast does not good look good. What might change in the forecast if you were willing to ask this question from time to time? What's it like to be on the other side of me? What romance might be rekindled? What might your relationship with your adult children look like? Like, you know, hey, um, I know this might be weird, but I went to church the other day, and pastors, I've never asked you a question like this, but honey, what's it like to be on the other side of, of me? What might you learn? And what might, what, how might you change the climate of a relationship? How might you change the climate of a relationship that you desperately wish change. I think it starts here. I think it starts here. It's going to take courage. It takes humility. And I know, like, I know for some of us, especially guys, it's like, this is totally not our style. These are words that we don't use. There's a, there's a lot of reasons not to do that, but what if we could overcome that? You know, we don't back down from challenges at work. We don't back down from challenges, you know, physically. But, but, like, in this area, yeah, maybe this isn't something that you quite, maybe you're not even sure if it's quite true, but what do you got to lose? By asking the question, what's it like to be on the other side of me? This is going to be an interesting series. This is going to be good. It's going to be a great conversation. It's going to make you think. And obviously, since we're in church, I, I, my hope is that as we talk about all of these things, it, it affects our climate with our Heavenly Father as well. That we could begin to see how much our Heavenly, how much God loves you, how much God cares about you, and how much He has to say about the things in life that, that, that will give us life. And maybe even the climate with our Heavenly Father might change. What's it like to be on the other side of me? Tag, you're it. Go get them. Let me pray.